everybody, welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour History. I'm your host, Professor Harpin. <clears throat> I know some of you let your kids listen to the podcast with you, and today I would say is not an episode that would be suitable for children who are under the age of 17. I'll, I'll even just say if you're under 18, don't listen to this, okay? All right, so we're going to have an adult conversation, and I am going to tie in some history to it, just because that's the nature of the podcast. But I wanted to talk about Nick Cannon and how he's begun to embody the racial caricatures that he claims to want to fight against. So get your teacups ready, get your, you know, your good white gloves on, because it's time to have that conversation. So... It is really interesting as, and it's embarrassing that he's from San Diego, (laughs) just because it's like, wow, like, you're going to represent us like that. But he has recently come out and was on a podcast episode that will not be mentioned. And he was talking about a lot of things that only, that are rooted in patriarchy. And he was saying that a lot of women have vaginal, he was saying an overwhelming majority, he said 80% of women have a bad vaginal odor. And it made me think, hmm, self, why would somebody say that 80% of all women have a nasty vaginal smell when all vaginas have a natural scent? Those are literally called pheromones. They're what attract partners to you. There are plenty of scientific studies that show that your interactions with people, especially um, who are potential reproductive partners, fluctuates and changes depending on your cycle and the smell that you give off from your parts, whether you can smell it or not. Because humans are animals and animals do the same thing. They know when it's time to mate. We as humans have social rules and things that are set in place that prevent that from happening more so than it already does. But the point is that we all have a natural smell and that it doesn't mean that just because it has a smell, it doesn't mean that it smells bad. It's just it's your natural scent. And Something that was also very problematic that I was thinking about is the history of this, especially in popular culture. So this is where the history comes in, right? Historically speaking, there have been a lot of medical, quote unquote, medical opinions and revelations about women as it relates to their reproductive organs, And it's also, like I said, rooted in patriarchy. It's also very sexist because a lot of the gynecological and women's reproductive health that we think of today is rooted in misogyny and it is rooted in the oppression of women. So saying things like, oh, she's crazy, she's on her period, that's rooted in sexist patriarchy. That the idea that your natural menses causes you to somehow be some irrational human being who's incapable of any critical thought. And we don't have those same we don't have those same rules in place in the country as much today, but it still does come up, especially if you are a woman who's in a traditionally male-dominated field, if you're in a woman who has any position of authority or power, people do try to degrade you by bringing up your natural existence, your existence as a woman or your time of the month. 
but it all really goes back to your sexual reproductive organs. And so one of the things that's also very interesting, historically speaking, is that a lot of that sexist patriarchal thought has been used to justify FGM, which is female genital mutilation. It has been used to say that some women shouldn't be mothers because of their the expression of their sexuality, even within their own marriages or with, you know, a safe, stable partner. If you're thinking about it from a, you know, a patriarchal, you're supposed to be married before you do that point of view. And all these things are, have happened throughout the history of modern cities, especially in the Victorian era, the history as far as, you know, slavery when it comes to women being seen as property, even as far back as Mesopotamia. So I'm not even just talking about the transatlantic slave trade, which is most of the time when I'm talking about slavery, I'm talking about that. But I'm talking about Mesopotamia in, you know, the before the common era or BC, as it's known on the timelines. This all goes way back. And so it's very irresponsible when you have somebody who is, I would say, within the hip hop genre who perpetuates that because there is a large history also of within hip hop today of the questioning of a woman's smell. There are plenty of young women and older women who perpetuate this crap in their music by trying to say things like that, you know, that they're um that they're clean that you know it's like water if you've heard hip-hop songs or you've heard women talking about being with people or how good they are compared to the next woman they'll say that oh well it's like water it's clear it's not supposed to have a smell and it's like you know that's crap because it's not even scientifically correct like everything has a smell and it's very interesting, too, how people will say, well, outside has a smell. Don't come in with your outside shoes. Don't get in your bed with your outside clothes. But somehow, like, your reproductive organs, which are covered by clothing, which means that you're sweating and have your natural scent, that somehow that's not supposed to smell like anything, and that means something's wrong. Now, there are cases where something could be wrong, but that's a medical condition, right? You need to go to the doctor for that. Most people aren't walking into a room and stinking it up. 80% of women are not doing that, or 80% of people who have vaginas are not walking into a room and smelling it up. That would let you know that there's something medically wrong. You need to go to the hospital. And historically, these things in hip hop have been perpetuated by women to try to make themselves seem like they're elevated over other women. So within the context of Nick Cannon saying this, because I would associate him with hip hop because he has some hip hop tracks from, I think the nineties or the early two thousands. He sort of like niched himself into that with his show wild and out. That's generally the space that he occupies. Right. And I mentioned earlier in the podcast that you know, he's really embodying some of the stereotypes that he claims to want to go against. And I'll explain what I mean by, by that in a minute. But he was using that statement as a way to elevate and put down, and excuse me, I'll say to put down many, many women, even though it's not rooted in any science, and also a way to elevate some people, I guess. And it was really interesting from just you know, watching the reaction of the women who he was saying it to, that they began then to respond that they didn't have that problem, right? So they're trying to put themselves in that 20% from his point of view that they don't have that problem. And then one of them 
cool I guess she upped the ante by claiming that she was even in a higher echelon of people that don't have that problem and so it's really interesting watching that that gender dynamic go on this man is not a prize he's not somebody who anybody should have to explain anything to especially if they're not in a relationship with him, especially somebody who has had multiple children in very short period of time shows you that he is not using protection. Those are all things like not using protection can cause pH imbalance, which can cause an abnormal smell. But did any of these women say that to him? No, because he knows who he's putting himself around. I think this is a distraction for someone else. But like I said, I am bringing history into this. Now, what I said earlier at the start of the podcast, that Nick Cannon is seemingly embodying a lot of the caricatures that he tries to, you know, that he says he's working against. Nick Cannon says and does a lot of problematic things and has been, you know, chastised for some of his opinions in the past by people who are in a position of authority and power over him, which is interesting to a whole other thing about him not really owning his stuff. (laughs) But the point is, is that he has created many different homes with different mothers and different children. There is no way that he as one person, especially someone who works as much as he does, can be a present father in the lives of these children. And what I mean by he's embodying the negative stereotypes put on him is because people stereotype black men as absent fathers. They stereotype them in popular culture, which basically just means like white media. They stereotype them as being people who are just making kids everywhere with whoever. Anybody can get the seed. Anybody can get, they don't carry the seed. Women carry seeds, but um, that, you know, they can just make children anywhere they go and that they're not going to be fathers. They're fathering because they're providing the semen to do that, but that they're not parenting. And so, It's interesting to watch him sit back and sort of make light of that situation. It's interesting to see people from within the community say that it's somehow acceptable for him to do that because he has access to wealth. And it's also very interesting looking at how these women are positioning themselves to really be single parents, which is fine. I mean, not everybody wants to be partnered. I understand that. But as someone who claims to try to fight back against the stereotypes that are put on black men specifically, why are you buying into that by doing what it is that you're doing? Why are you becoming and embodying aspects of those stereotypes, but somehow justifying it because you have money? Even though, like I said, we saw, and I mean, I don't pay attention to him necessarily. I was reading about it when it was happening because I didn't watch a show on his morning show, which has been canceled. I don't follow him on social media, but he's constantly trending because of the people who he's getting pregnant, which seemingly are pretty much back to back. Like every month or two, there's another one or two women who are coming out saying that they're having children for him. And really, I'll say to tie this in with the caricature history that I was mentioning before, he's really embodying different types of caricaturing of black people and black Americans specifically, because that's where these caricatures, this is the group that the caricatures are meant to specifically embody. He is in one way embodying the Sambo stereotype because he is 
not making what would be considered socially responsible choices based on the number of children he's having, the scattering of those people, that he is not going to be able to be a present father. And that's something that he's commented about. That's something that apparently, again, I read somewhere else that he and one of his baby mamas who was whose child died that he couldn't be there for her because he was working and that's not something anyone should have to go through alone you know the loss of a child especially a baby but he couldn't be there for her right they're not in a relationship she is what she had a child with him and that it was causing issues between them because of course she needed support and he wasn't able to be there or I don't know if he didn't want to but he wasn't able to be there with her so he's embodying that stereotype that was placed on black men, black American men. And he's also embodying the zip coon stereotype because he's spouting off a bunch of things that don't make any sense that aren't rooted in any fact. It's just based on his opinion at the time. And it really reminds me of TI and I'm going to do a more extensive podcast about this, but that's really dangerous because of the microphone that they have within the community at large within the groups of young men of any group that follow them on social media, that watch them on television, that look up to them in some way as some sort of an inspiration, you know, when it comes to, you know, what they want to do when they're older, if they want to get into television broadcasting or the type of show they want to get into, or if they're from the same city as one of these people And people are going to regurgitate that, right? There are going to be plenty of men of all ages who are going to regurgitate the notion that 80% of women have some sort of foul odor. And when men try to degrade women, they generally mention something about their hygiene. And that is disgusting. If you can't, you can't say anything about the person's character, about their actions, about where they're failing in leadership, if you have to degrade a woman because of what you perceive her situation to be sexually, reproductively, whatever, that's stupid because it's not based on anything you actually know. And when you have someone who has a microphone to be stupid and to say things that are not scientifically backed up, that is not based in research that's not based in anything in real life it makes people feel empowered to keep doing those things and in this case to keep using that against women who they want to try to degrade now i'm going to even take it a step further back in history so many of you are familiar with thomas jefferson good old tom right so thomas jefferson was the third president of the united states he was one of the biggest slave owners in this country And we know that despite having children with one of his slaves who was, you know, half black, so legally considered black, and um, fathering, you know, children with her, and then those children, you know, spread out. There's an Oprah episode on YouTube you can watch about it when they all met in the late 90s, I believe. But we know that Thomas Jefferson wrote books and articles in which he'd said that black people smell worse than white people. You can look that up. So going on this notion of smell, I know I've been talking specifically about women's reproductive organs and about, you know, like the vagina itself, even if, you know, someone is not identifying as a woman who has a vagina. The point is, is that 
this idea of smell and scent and who's saying what and what is perpetuating about a group that they do not belong to. Okay. Thomas Jefferson has plenty of um, writings that he did where he's talking about the difference between blacks and whites and why blacks were inferior to whites intellectually, physically, hygienically, etc. And all of that was done, of course, to perpetuate and to justify racism, um, segregation. Well, of course, at the time, you know, there was racism and slavery. But of course, later, it's going to be used to justify things like segregation for people who are reading it and taking it to heart the things he was saying, because Thomas Jefferson was not just some random person who published his own book. He was the president. He was, I think, the biggest landowner in Virginia. There, His home, Monticello, was turned into the University of Virginia. He's a big deal in American history. So his, and actually, he was the U.S. ambassador to France right before the French Revolution. So that's really interesting, too. But sorry, um, going back to what I was going to say about him, because he did all that writing about how black people smell worse than white people, you know, imagine reading that and then again, using that to say, well, all black people smell. There's somebody now who has that thought that black people stink or smell bad, especially compared to white people, because they read it in Thomas, they read it or someone who they read, read it back when Thomas Jefferson wrote it or not back when he wrote it at the time, but they've done their historical research and they're using that to justify their racism today. Now, at the time, if we go back to the 1700s, of course, Thomas Jefferson would probably be, it's easy for him to come to that conclusion, even though I'm, I mean, I don't think he was stupid. I think he knew that he was being divisive for no real reason, but all the black people he was around were field workers. So why would they smell like him? somebody who's rich and who has access to baths every day if he wants to they're not going to smell like that right because they don't they're not able to be and to clean themselves as often as he is now if someone was having this conversation with community dick nick and said well you know you say 80% of women have a bad vaginal odor but you know 80% of black people stink in general just black people people who belong to the black race also have a bad odor because thomas jefferson said so in the 1700s and i don't see any reason to debunk that because every black person i smell or you know it smells terrible now if someone sat across from him and said that his head would explode because he would go into the whole mode of well that's rooted in racism and blah 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 because that's what he does but he doesn't understand that he's basically doing the same thing he's spouting off just like jefferson his opinion about something that is not rooted in anything fair balanced or researched He's making it up and using some random justification of his own experience to say that it's the case everywhere in the world for people who belong to this gender or this race. That is the stuff of genocidal campaigns, right? When someone uses their opinion and their lived experience to try to dictate what it should be for everybody around them. And when they get the power or have the power or get the microphone to influence other people, it has lasting effects on society. And just like Nick Cannon, Thomas Jefferson was also no prize. There were many things that made Jefferson a complete pain in the neck down to, again, the things that he was writing, the fact that he slept with his dead wife's half sister and had kids with her, right? Cause the, the slave that he had children with was the 
sister well of course like illegitimate half sister of his deceased wife so he was also another problematic figure okay but the idea is that even though he was a problematic figure in history he was still somebody who had a microphone well not a microphone right but he's still somebody who had a voice in his society and that people still go back to and follow research or use their work to justify continuing inequities today or racism today so the same's going to be done with nick cannon saying things like that like what he said about 80 percent of women which is just his opinion it's not rooted in anything he doesn't have any medical licensing okay they're going to use what he said to justify perpetuating that on the people in their daily lives, women who they are coming into contact with, women who they do or don't like. If they want to degrade them, they're going to go back to, well, you know, 80% of women, blah, blah, blah. And that just goes back to spouting things that are not true. So I'm going to leave us with that. Like I said, I'm going to do a podcast. I have a podcast coming out in a few weeks about sort of the negative caricatures and the ones that are aimed at black American women. I am going to make a podcast about the caricatures that are aimed at black American men. So I'll, I'll likely bring up the situation again lightly because I, you know, I'm saying that he's embodying one of those, well, two of those caricatures and I mentioned T.I., but I am going to do that at a later time. And this is one thing I want to say before I sign off of this episode is that historically speaking, I've already mentioned that Fake concern over women's reproductive health has been used as a way to try to degrade women that men used to degrade women in society, that women used to degrade other women. But one of the things to take away from this is that a lot of people don't have any real idea about the things that are normal within vaginas. And this is especially problematic when we're talking about health, we're talking about health care, access, and especially for younger people who may think that something's wrong with them for things that are completely natural because they're listening to people who have no idea what they're talking about. And especially for people who think that there's something wrong with them because they have a natural smell based on the things that they're hearing in popular culture, the things that they're hearing in music, the things, the interviews that they're watching, people who have an audience to say a bunch of things that don't make any sense to like Nick Cannon, like I just mentioned, that affects them and can affect them and their health. And so that's why I wanted to talk about it, especially because We know that having misinformation about health is very problematic, not only because we're in a pandemic, but also within different communities who may not have access to information that can challenge what these people are saying, or who may not have someone in their life who can give them that information, because not everybody has the privilege of having someone who knows this information and is able to articulate it to them. So thank you for listening. Everyone have a great Wednesday (laughs) and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.